When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, the podcast that doesn't usually have an enjoyable time when visiting Dingwall. This week on Heart and Hand, cometh the hour, cometh the cum dog. Welcome to Art Hand, the, the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar. I am your host, and I'm joined this week by two of the finest podders you will be hearing tonight, apart from me. First up, it's the Livingston Lothario, the, the man who makes the East palatable, Mr. Cameron James Bell. Good day to you, David. Good day. And uh, bringing in his collection of uh, bearded freaks that seem to like him, yes, it's Alex Staff. How you doing, David? How you doing, Cammy? All good, guys. Yes, oh, oh, excellent. Um, things are things are good in the Good Ship Rangers at the moment, and the reason for that is following uh, up Wednesday night's uh, shearing of the sheep at Ibrox. We knew, you know, obviously, lads beating Aberdeen, it's nice, but you know, it's pretty easy, right? You can't get too excited. Nothing special. No, Nothing so special. so a much bigger game clearly was our trip yesterday to the Highlands to play Ross County, and Rangers played I thought very very well for the first forty five minutes. Uh, got a goal through long shot from Daniel Candias that the keeper really should have saved. Didn't, however, Rangers probably should have should have put the game to bed in that first half. Second half, bit more even, and Ross County got themselves back into it. Uh, however, Jason Cummings off the bench. Um, scores his first goal with a, a good run, de- direct run, deflected shot into the bottom corner. Play scores bongo, which we'll come to. After that, though, uh, a last, well, nearly, I think, 88th minute penalty given to Ross County. They convert near the last couple of minutes. But in the end, start with you, Alex Rangers. Well worth that win. Absolutely. Yeah. Should have been by more than one goal, as you say, as well. For all of any sort of pressure that Ross County had in the second half, it's difficult to to name a Fodderingham save throughout the entire game. Um, so aside from their, their penalty shouts, which I'm sure we'll discuss we in will. more detail, there wasn't really wasn't much. A couple of blocked shots and a little bit more possession, but in truth we should have been three or four up before they even started getting back into it. Cammy, this Rangers post, shall we say, post-Christmas team has seems to have about it an authority that has been sadly lacking in our entire time back up in the, the Premier Division. And even though it's a lot of the same guys, if you look at the likes of Holt, Tavernier, 
even Wes, who's who's very rarely been a bad performer, but they all seem to have found another level and they just play with so much more assuredness at the moment. They do, and I think that a big part of that, Dave, is the crest of confidence that comes from being able to get a decent run put together. We've not we've not had that for quite a good wee while now. Um, and you can see, I think there's a, a renewed physicality with some of the players that we brought in in the window, mm. uh, which shows that we won't allow ourselves to be dominated in certain parts of the parts of the pitch. Um, I thought at times we were given some pretty harsh treatment by some of the Ross County players, uh, which I feel the referee should have dealt with a little bit better. But for me, I'm seeing a Rangers team now standing up to that challenge, whereas I think beforehand we probably would have wilted. Mm, that's a, I would agree with that. Alex, we seem now to be blessed with what I would call senior players and to, to maybe use the the cliched term leaders on the park and again I keep going back to this because I'm fascinated by the transformation it's guys who have been there before and we've had for a while who almost all seem to have either matured at the same time or just grasped this that hang on a minute here I'm one of the leaders of this team I'm one of the leaders of the dressing room and as I say guys like Hope Fodderingham Tavernier these now are guys who are if you like, playing as though they're the kind of men of the team. And I think it ties in with exactly what Cammy said, that suddenly we don't look like the soft touch that we've been on so many occasions in this last, what, 18 months? There could be a couple of things going on. Uh, the first one I'll say is a bit more controversial. Maybe Mark Warburton was right. Um, maybe we just needed to give these guys time to settle at this level. Who knows? Uh, it could be as simple that, as that. That is the definition of a long game. That's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a bloody that, long game. He did say that, didn't he? He did say, you know, this is going to take two or three years. Yeah, but all managers say that, Alex. All managers say it'll take two to three years so that they, they don't get fired and go, well... Yeah, they, they hope to be there at the end of the tour. Three yeah, three you know it's all going to come... It's going to come good in a while. You can't sack me now. But I, no, I, you I, can't. Look, that's, that's where Celtic have got a major advantage on us because they had four years. Yeah. And they look, sit there and with no pressure and let but guys like Bayata and Brown... And you know, bring in Tierney when he when he's barely ready. He's obviously thrives and saying the players who would have got chased if they were under any pressure. Yeah, correct. And, but, you know, the time they've been developing. So I'd say that was one possible solution. One possible. All, all I would well. say in response to that, Alex, is I still don't under. I get that point, and I take that point. You're right, and we do judge players too quickly. Absolutely, but it's all happened at once. That's why it makes me think there must be a wee bit more to it than just, oh, yeah. we're confident now. Because it's happened is, simultaneously yeah. for several players. Yeah, and I think maybe the second point is possibly a bit more uh, a bit more prominent then. I can't imagine these guys... It's easy when you're one of the younger players to sort of, you know, to, to take diminished responsibility, you know, to, to sort of look at it and go, well, you know, Kenny Miller's there, Lee Wallace is there. When Clint Hill was there, they, they were the guys that, you know, they can take all the responsibility. I'll just go out and, and play my game, right? And then, this season, you see Ross McCrory come into the team and not only look good from a playing perspective, but almost look like a leader on that pitch. Mm. And he was this 19-year-old that hardly kicked the ball. And I can't imagine these other guys looked at him and thought, oh, that's very nice. They must have been looking at themselves and thinking, <laughs> I can't really do that at 19. Why the fuck am I not stepping up? That's a very you know? good point, yes. 
<laughs> you know, I, I think I think stuff like that's happening. You know, like Graham Murray's coming in, and he's got a bit more faith, and he seems to be very good at you know at telling players, you know, how much faith he's got in them and, and keeping them at least in, in that respect confident. And I think that you know they must have looked at the players like McCrory and Bates is another great example. Just these boys coming in who hardly any experience, but they're not exactly wilting under the pressure and looking at themselves and thinking, well, why have I found this so difficult? You know, yeah. and maybe from there they've just tried to step up and take a bit more on. What struck me yesterday, Cami, was that this Rangers team seems to have found a playing identity, by which I mean I now can see what it is they're doing rather than a sort of vaguely half-baked, or oh, we like to pass and move as it kind of was under Warburton, or no, I've no idea what it was under Pedro. I think now you can see that this Rangers team are very much about trying to press the opponents, get control of the ball, but move it quickly. We're not possession for possession's sake. They're looking to get forward. They're looking to get through teams with two or three passes. And it it does seem that maybe maybe the fact that Graham Martin knows, look, I'm not just here to, to steady the ship just now. I'm here to the end of the season. I have a bit of time to put into practice what I want to do rather than just being the guy who's currently here to kind of you know make sure the lights are kept on to the next bloke appears. Well, one of the things we spoke about um, in the, in the run-up uh, to probably the Aberdeen game, but probably more so the Ross County game, where obviously Doc had been signed and all the rest of it, looked at what kind of formation we'd be playing. And, you know, we, we spoke about it offline. We, we, you know, I've spoken about it to other Rangers fans. You wouldn't know what kind of formation goes into it. So I think that we... I, I think that that still is... Uh, quite a quite a movable, you know, opportunity for Murty to to mix and match and see how that works. But the general ethos for that team um, is about playing the ball quickly. Is about looking up for opportunities. Um, I mean, I was watching it on TV on Sunday, and, and obviously, I mean, the angles horrendous at Ross County at the best of times. But the really interesting thing to me was that we played really quick, sharp passing at times, mm. which was a very difficult injection of pace on the ball to, for, for Ross County at times to be able to try and keep up with but the great thing with that was that you could see that the guys actually you know they, they knew where each other were going to be and you can only play fast flowing football if you're all singing off the same hymn sheet and I think to have all five of our window signings play within a game like that actually shows Marty's been doing some good work um, you know in the, in the training ground and stuff as well so there's, there's definitely been some um, I think some really good practice put into that even if the formation is again like you say adjustable Alex you like your you like your tactical breakdowns of the match and Alex has his own show on the Heart and Hand uh, Patreon network so Alex talk to us are we doing things differently or is this just a case of players doing the same stuff better no I think we're doing things differently I think there's there's less there's fewer they're not completely eradicated because that's impossible but there's fewer long balls coming from the back um, at the moment you know there's fewer kind of just launch it up and hope that Morelos can win something kind of balls played which we were a bit too prone to earlier in the season we're still kind of focused on getting the ball wide especially on the right hand side but why wouldn't you be with the way Tav and Kendi have been playing yeah, you know point. And you play your strengths you've got to do that um, and I think Generally, what Cammy's point there about you know two or three passes up the park quite quickly. The most encouraging thing for me about the signings are that we all look to do that. 
we haven't just signed players because they're decent players. We've signed players because they're good and they fit the system that we want to play. Yes. You know, you can see that quite clearly. Guys like even Russell Martin at the back, he doesn't, you know, take too long to look up and try and find a ball and, you know, Morelos coming deeper into a midfielder or anything like that. Sean Goss, for me, is the perfect signing for that sort of game because, you know, he's only interested in going deep, picking up the ball, taking a touch and pinging a pass. He loves that. You know, he's not one for just playing two or three passes between the defenders and looking good on the ball. He, he wants to get the ball forward. Um, and, and I think that that's the most encouraging part is that it's almost as if Graham Murray's identified the style of play and then any targets from then have had to fit that or they're not considered. Um, and that, you know, how, Jesus, how long have we been waiting for something like that at Rangers? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, that's what it looks like from the outside at the moment. And I know that we'll, you know, come up against the odd. Uh, would bump in the way but it's uh, encouraging in that respect and, and hopefully that's what we continue to see with, with a structure that we've got in place Now if you are a subscriber to the Heart and Hand Patreon site and I hope you are but if not you know you, you'll always have uh, the two free shows a week but if you are you'll know that me Alex, Cammy, all the boys you hear on here do loads and loads of hours of content there. But when we're not doing shows about Rangers we are talking to each other about Rangers because we're sad and it's our whole lives and one of the debates that came up among the podders was does Alfredo Morelos miss too many chances and as good a player as he is and he is and all of us agree on that is this something that is a concern so I'll ask you both the question Cami, do you worry that Morelos misses too many chances yes okay and uh, can you explain why I would just like Morelos to be able to have a higher conversion rate for the chances that he has enough talent to get on the end of. And I'm kind of flung back a little bit to the Celtic game. Um, but also, Sunday reiterated to me that it would be great if he was slightly more predatory in the box when he should anticipate the ball coming to him. So there was one one opportunity in particular where uh, the, the kind of balls played across the box and the county defender does his best to get to if he gets a touch it's minimal but even with that Morelos should anticipate that ball coming to him. And um, I think the guy's a great player. I think he's had a, a very, very long year last year in terms of of the finish league to come to us Um, I think the signings of Cummings for us is brilliant because it gives us the opportunity to either A, rest them or B, support them potentially playing two up top so how that will look I don't know but I do want him to be able to try and think about ensuring that he he should be walking off the park David if he scored one scoring two if he scored two scoring three and the, the kind of irony about this conversation is you get more pissed off if he was missing loads of chances and not scoring. Mm. Whereas he is scoring, but I just think his conversion rate could be better. Alex? Um, I think... I, I, do you know what? Yes, he misses chances that he should score. But I don't see any striker out there that doesn't do that, for one thing. Um, as Adam pointed out when we were all having this conversation on Sunday, his, uh, his stats suggest he's got a better than average conversion rate, which for a 21-year-old striker... His first season with us is, is pretty damn good going. Um, now I'm not saying you just look at the stats, obviously, as the devil's in the detail, as, as they say, but uh, 
you have to um, you have to use that as part of the conversation at least. Can't call him a poor finisher when his statistics are better than average. That, that that doesn't stack up. The issue for me all round is so simply this: we are not going to have a complete striker anytime soon. That's not going to happen. If Morelos was as good a finisher as, as we're wanting him to be, or, or complaining that he's not, he wouldn't be with us because he's damn good at everything else, mm. and that would be well out of our price range, you know. So. He's kind of like the same with the Josh Windass debate in many respects. We are now in a position where these guys would have been cracking squad players in years gone by in that squad and would have been supported by really good players and given a bit of time to develop until they, you know, take, take Stevie Naismith as an example. Didn't exactly hit the ground running when he first came in. Injuries didn't help, obviously, but he had good players around him, took his time, and by the time he was, you know, his last season with us was fucking brilliant for us. And then, you know, now well, but rather than him being a support player to begin with, these are now the guys that are our most important players. So the flaws become highlighted even more. You know, mm. they don't have a great player to come and bail them out when they're not doing well themselves. So as Rangers fans, I think, do, do you remember David when we were talking about David Bates recently? And you said as fans, sometimes we can be too prone to focusing on the negatives. Mm. I think that's what we're doing here when we talk about Morelos. I think there's a lot of positives. And when that's what we should be, you know, praising rather than criticising the guy's finishing when, as I say, every striker misses great chances anyway. I'm I'm, I'm happy to, to remain positive with Morelos because, as I say, this is a fantastic debate to have because actually what we're saying is we're talking about a striker who scores goals scoring more. Yeah, yeah. So that's 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 separate to a striker not scoring, OK? And I think... It's not the Joey Garner um, debate, for example. No, it's, it's not. But <clears throat> what you're also talking about is... In a, in a realistic world, every Rangers fan, I think, now knows Morelos' true worth and actually what a wee diamond we've got there. And from that perspective, most Rangers fans, being realistic, anticipate he will not play with us for the rest of his career. He's going to go somewhere. The problem that you've got is, with the conversion rate that he has, and if you're to actually watch his game-in-game chances, you're devaluing a transfer fee for that player, in my opinion. Because if it was someone from England watching him, they would look at the amount of chances that he's missing alongside the ones that he's scoring as well. So do you need to give this guy five chances to score one goal? Or will he get it one in three, etc.? So, absolutely happy to remain positive about it. But being realistic, we also need to consider a potential sell-on value to him as well. And if the Barry McKay deal taught us anything, we'd now need to be in a market to be uh, more aggressive in terms of how much we are willing to take for the purchase of players. And if this road inevitably ends with that with Morelos, then that's exactly where we need to have that mentality. He can only do that and supplement that argument by finishing more, more chances. Yeah, I mean, I think so. But I think we also need to remember that he is 21. He's very much learning his position still. I I, I kind of sit in the middle here um, between you because I think that yeah it's, it's it's easy to get too negative on the fact that he doesn't score as many chances as he should. This is this is the thing. We're not saying he doesn't score enough goals. We're saying he misses too many chances, and there is a difference because you'll have strikers who don't score enough goals because they're not getting in the right positions because they're not there. They don't have the the the, the all round game 
to get on the end of things and he does and it's chances that he's missing that you think he should be putting away once he's done the hard work if you like to get into that position Against... the other thing with that the other thing with that though Davey is that even when he even when he did have a little bit of a barren spell and he wasn't scoring still playing but wasn't scoring he was instrumental in some of the goals. Yeah, exactly. Scoring. That's the thing. He's, a, he's still a good think, player. And But that's what I was going to say, Cammy, is that we can also then, if, if because we like him, we can focus too much on the other side and say, well, he's, a, he's really good. His hold-up plays great. Um, he's always involved. And I think it's fair enough to, so long as it's balanced, I think it's fair enough to say, you know what? You're really good at all of this. We just need you to work on this. Because as you say, it'll be good for his long-term development. It'll be good for the club he goes to next, which, as you say, unfortunately, isn't inevitable just because of the league that we play in. But I do like the fact that we have, he said, segging beautifully, um, an option now because we haven't had a reliable option next to him. Now, when Jason Cummings was lining up yesterday, I think uh, that you will... You'll have to agree, even though you don't want to, that I immediately sent you a message saying he's going to score. And I think it was, what, five minutes? Well, I put 10 quid on it at eight to one. So, yes, I'm very happy that he did. Uh, Alex, Jason Cummings, I say this all the time because it's true. This boy was born to play for Rangers. He, I can't recall, as I say, maybe Nacho Novo, since... Someone arrived and the fans just instantly went, we love you. It's like we've adopted a very cute puppy. That's exactly what it's like, yeah. That is uh, yeah, that's a cracking analogy, actually. Um, you, you know, and then you get curmudgeons like myself that hate all dogs, so that doesn't help, you know. Um, well, this is Alex's last appearance, folks. Enjoy it. <laughs> Wrong person to say that. Fucking hell. I, know, I, know, I know, but I had to come out at some point. Um... Yeah, he he does look as though he was born for for this sort of pressure, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, you know, just uh, just that sheer confidence bordering on total ignorance of his situation. You know, <laughs> just like uh, it doesn't really seem to bother him because he doesn't really quite get it. Doesn't care because it does what he does anyway. You know, exactly. Um, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. You know, it's it's, it's kind of um, you know it's almost bordering on that. Uh, no, I think yeah. The fact that he makes you shoot through sheer force of personality, he makes you believe in him. You know, <laughs> he's like, you know, when he, you see him in an interview and he's like, I'm, I'm just going to score goals. That's, you know, he's just <laughs> interview, he's like, and he'll give me a chance. He's stick him away. <laughs> it's just absolute confidence in it. You know, he had no no problems at all. None of this, any hedge in his bets. No kind of yeah, any striker that comes here should be able to score goals. I'll, I'll you know, I'll be working hard to make sure I do that. It was just no, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. That's it. Simple as that. Um, and it's just through through that way. He just, just he's got so much belief in himself. You start to believe in him as well, and I think that's where why the fans kind of you know there's the the daft side, the cum dog side, shall we say that you know a lot of people will take on you know take on board and really enjoy. But you know outside of that, as a player, you, you just get this feeling that this boy could go out of the way because he, he genuinely doesn't see it going any other way. You know he has no. Never once sat there and thought, even during that time in Nelton Forest where it wasn't working, I can guarantee he was still sitting there thinking, I'm going to be a superstar. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know that at Nottingham Forest, he blamed them for not picking him. Aye, exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah, he just had no issues, no no doubt in his mind that, that it was going to work. And, and that's, you know, that, that that is the sort of player that's born to play at a team like Rangers. That's exactly, you know, the sort of thing that you need Cammy, uh, when to get. I, sorry, sorry, Alex. But, Cammy, when I'm trying to describe this to people, this 
feeling that you get about certain players. I go back to two penalty shootouts in our recent history. And one was when we beat Dundee United in the League Cup final. Um, when Chris Boyd went up and scored, uh, I think it was 2000 and, uh, 2008. And Chris Boyd runs up to hit the last penalty. And I thought, oh, we've won. Because he's running up there, not thinking, oh, the pressure's on me. He's running up going, yes, I'm going to be the one that hits a winning penalty. Nacho Novo and Florence was the exact same. Desperate to get the ball, desperate to run up because they know they're going to score. There's two types of footballer. The type of footballer who Alex just described, and I think you know described very well, despite being a psychopathic dog-hating freak, um, that they get they're like, oh man, you know, this is a big moment. Oh, I hope I, I hope I can deliver on it. And the guys who are desperate for those moments to come, and from for them to be the the person that's at the heart of it. And Cummings is that. Cummings is that guy. He's the guy who's like, I'm going to score. Yes, brilliant. I'm going to be the hero. I'm going to score the winner. That's what I do. And I don't think you can teach that. I think you either have that or you don't. There's a bit of natural flair to it. And one of the things that, thinking about Cummings and obviously thinking about this whole scenario and then obviously him coming on and scoring all that. And, and this will drive our Timmy listeners mental. But one of the things that, that puts me in a comparable of it is um, Cantona or Ibrahimovic and within that what I mean is you've got a player who can talk shit but back it up yes and what he can do is he can actually it's kind of as you guys have touched on he can, he can actually just come out and just have so much confidence in himself and what he's doing fear and a lack of self-belief just simply don't come into the equation uh, so I, I think what was great and, and uh, I, I don't know if we'll talk about the over-exuberance again uh, but what I loved about the whole thing, especially the celebration, was the Rangers fan coming onto the park with the drum. If you rewatch the <laughs> celebration, there's a guy runs on with a big massive drum, and I just, I just love that whole that whole scenario because he's running on, the players are running on, he's hugging, I'm Cummins is hugging the guy, and in the background is this guy who thought, "Do I leave the drum? Do I take it? What do I do?" And he's straight on the park with the drum and all. Then obviously the police get involved to join in with the celebrations. It was just a great time all around. Uh, we are just about to talk about that, but before we do talk about that, the the uh, celebration controversy, as I suppose uh, it, it, legally I must call it, that I think the, the whole point of that, Alex, isn't that Rangers fans were happy at getting a goal against Ross County. I think if it's any other player, that you know that's not the celebration. I think you know if if Josh Windass scores that goal or. Uh, Jamie Murphy scores that goal I don't think you get that reaction you get a very happy ecstatic we scored a goal reaction but I think it was because it was him and I think that the appeal he has to and I'll say that younger Bears you know Bears in their teens and 20s I think is enormous and the connection that's there is enormous and also I think it stunned him because when you think about it his memories of playing Rangers in Scotland were we hated him. He goes away at Nottingham Forest. Doesn't do that well. Comes back and suddenly, he, you know, the, re- the reaction he got at Ibrox the other night was astonishing. And then this again on on Sunday. I don't think he can believe it. Oh, he must be loving it. Um, yeah, because as you say, his memories at Ibrox can't have been the most positive with some of the Mullins that he took. Um, despite, you know, the fact he scored against us so many damn times as well. Um, yeah, he... he, he the celebration thing, I think sometimes people forget that, you know, 
yeah, you're right. If it had been any other player, it wouldn't have been quite as vociferous a celebration. Definitely not. But there's also that issue when player, you know, fans get on the pitch. A lot of the time, he's not got much a choice, you know, because you get guys pushing you for the back or trying to get down in the front to celebrate and stuff like that. Yes. I wouldn't be surprised if the first few people who piled on were pretty much pushed on, and it's just kind of growing for there. You know, we've seen that. Every club, you know, it happens to fans, that's fine. But you're right, I think, as you say, if it had been anybody else, if it had been Windass or Murphy, or even if Morelos was still in the park and had scored, it wouldn't have been quite the, the same level of celebration. But we're absolutely, you know, we are, we are as desperate for, for Cummings to work out as he is, you know, to work yeah. out for us. He's, he's desperate to come up here and make this work, and we want that as well. Um, so... In many respects, it was almost like we'd scored the goal in some way. You know, I mean, yeah. that was the way that was being celebrated. I, I think a lot of young guys, younger than us, unfortunately, lads, but I think a lot of young guys identify with him. And Cammy, I think that there is that. Look, I'm not comparing them as players, obviously, but it reminds me a wee bit uh, when we were younger of Gaza, in that. Look, we had Brian Loudrup, who was a wonderful, astonishingly skillful player, but he was so European and cool and, you know, just handsome and amazing. And then you had Gaza, who was quite clearly just like us, who, who liked getting pissed in a kebab and, uh, you know, pl- played football the way we did. And you, it just strikes a chord with you when you see a guy like that, that you just think, you know, he's he's doing what we all would be. That That's how I would be if I was a footballer. And I, I wonder if there's something in that. It's a little bit working class hero in it. Yeah. And, I, and um, what I loved, listen, I, I, I will never, ever apologise for Rangers fans going crazy in celebrations as wild as they want for the amount of shite that we've had to put up with over the last few years and continue putting up with. So those fans have got every right to celebrate as wild as they want. Anyone who doesn't agree with football fans celebrating to a massive extent can fuck off out football as far as I'm concerned. They can take v- VAR and stick it up their arse. All that, let's dull the game down, let's nullify it. <laughs> no, do you know what? Follow, follow your heroes. Watch the guy that, rather than saying, oh, my team score, you say, I hope he scores. Because I want him to do well, I want him to get that. And I think what I see in the coming support, almost a certain extent, is the slightly more. <laughs> probably more uh, concentrated version of the the support that we're giving other signings and youth players such as McCrory and Bates. It's it's strange for us to talk in a, on a on a wave of positivity now about how we are seeing these players come in, how we're seeing these players perform. Uh, so I could be happier for the boy. It was really funny when we were sitting watching it, sitting there with the wife. She's hated him because she hates Hibs and remembers him playing for Hibs. That's a and keeper. That's a keeper. Glad you married yeah. that lassie. She's got good taste. Well, on some wait things. a minute. Because <laughs> when he celebrated and I'm going crazy, she was like that. I don't care. I still hate him. What? He's out the house now. Yeah, yeah. she's out the house now. I've tweeted Cummings to see if he if he wants to move in. So we'll see we'll see how it develops. But that was a couple of months of marriage, and you know. Now you, now you see the true side, you know. Cammy's on the market, ladies. Form an orderly queue in Livingston. Got most of his own teeth and everything. Yeah, could probably hold additions in a phone box. <laughs> um, right, OK, over-celebration. The, there was, you know, reaction from Celtic fans who, of course, were religiously tuned into the game. 
uh, to watch Rangers, uh, their their hobby. Alex, did the Rangers fans over-celebrate? Was this something that was either worrying in terms of people running on the pitch or a bit sad because we'd scored a goal against Ross County? Neither, really. It was just... um... As I said, I wouldn't be surprised in the first instance if it's just guys that have been pushed on the pitch by people behind them. Happened to me at Tannadice um, once. That's the only time I've actually went on a pitch, and it was. I was in the front row at Tannadice. Rangers scored. Everybody, of course, has stood up for the full 90 minutes. There's a massive surge, and it was either jump over the barrier or get crushed. So, you know, yeah, exactly. Jumped yeah. over the barrier. Um, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that's how it started, and it just kind of slightly grew from there. Um, you know, boy, with a drum running on does see quite a bit, mind you. But um, to be honest, the Celtic fan reaction and, and any other fan reaction is just, you know, it's it's nothing more than try to wind us up. Um, you know, it's just that sort of ha ha, look at you. That's the best you've got going for you, celebrating a goal against Ross County nonsense. And you know, best, I think I think best ignored personally. Um, you know, if. If the club's involved, you know, if, if Ross County were to come out and say, you know, we felt this was dangerous or something like that, fine, then you've got more of a conversation to have. Uh, but, you know, ultimately, if it's just coming for Celtic fans, then it's nothing more than noise, is it? Let's be honest. No, and I'm going to put this as, as clearly as I can to Celtic fans who, of course, had tuned in and were offended by the songs, but yet somehow managed to, to stay watching the game for 90 minutes, even though, as we know, from Celtic supporters that their, their children will be in tears. That when it comes to singing, when it comes to um, over-celebration and anything, I, I don't know where we've given you the impression that we give a fuck about what you think about anything. But on behalf of the Rangers support, and I don't like to set myself up as a fan spokesman these days, but I'm going to for this once, and I beg the indulgence of the Rangers support on this matter. To all Celtic fans listening to this, we could not care less what you think about anything. We could not give the tiniest, remotest, minutest, atomic level fuck about what you think about anything. We wouldn't know how you celebrate your goals because we don't watch you. Because we're obsessed with Rangers. Same as you. But the thing about it is, we're obsessed with our own team. And when it comes to you guys going, ah, we're laughing at you, or oh, I'm offended, as Alex says, it's just white noise to us. We don't care. So, thank you very much for your interest in our club. Fuck off and give us peace. And with that, we'll move on. Now, we are uh, going to play Fraserburgh this weekend, or this, this Wednesday night. I'm expecting Alex to see a few changes to the team. I'd be surprised if the likes of Dockery and Cummings aren't starting, for example. Um, I don't know, I'd imagine the pitch will be quite heavy. I don't know what the weather's looking like up there for the next couple of days, but they might not want to take chances with the Hibs game in mind with a few players. You know, guys who maybe haven't played a hell of a lot of football this season, like Sir Jamie Murphy, Russell Martin, they might not want to take chances with them. You know, just kind of rotate the squad a little bit. Uh, and, 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 you know, it, with the greatest respect to Fraser, but it's still a game that we should win comfortably. Um, so, so, yeah, I'd be surprised though if Docking and Cummings don't start because it's exactly the sort of game you can bring them in uh, to kind of, you know, 
get them, get them integrated straight away um, without too much pressure on them. Cammy, is this the type of game where you can maybe try? You, you'd mentioned the two up top. Is this the kind of game where you can change the system a wee bit and maybe have a look at how certain players fit in in, in a slightly different lineup? Once the game's won, yeah. <laughs> what, 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 I would, what I would like to be able to see is relatively comprehensive lead by half time and then changes being made and um, without going straight down the positive route again although I, uh, the negative route again although I can because Strider's here to offset it uh, what I would like to see from Murty is prompt substitutions if the game is outside in order to allow more game time but exactly as Alex quite rightly says to avoid any threat of injury so Potentially, I mean, we did this before with some friendlies. Um, not this is a friendly, I don't mean that. That sounds really disrespectful to phrase, but I apologise for that terminology. But we did play um, games in friendlies previously where we uh, approached them with like three 30-minute periods. Yeah. Fraser will absolutely try the hardest against this. Uh, obviously, we've, we've had podders on previously based up there that, you know, they, they're aware of how big an event this is. Uh, from the, the previously rearranged fixture and um, the most important thing for me is let's uh, if we can get it tied up for half time let's have a plan B uh, so that even if we're not playing 330s let's play 245s so we can come out with the second half let's revise the formation around let's take that as an opportunity etc but um, as unsexy as it sounds I think we just have to go up there and it has to be strictly business let's get a result if we can do some tinkering once the game's out of sight, good. Uh, but we don't want to do a Real Madrid or something like that and just think that, yes, it's relatively straightforward, but then it turns out to be complete opposite because that will bring down the house of cards that this confidence is built on if we don't continue maintaining this run. Alex, uh, we are, of course, a, a support famed for our hubristic nature and, and I think at our best when it's when it's flying. But equally... We haven't really earned the right to go into any game, even one against a non-league side, but especially away from home, thinking this is a formality, we just need to turn up. Agreed, yeah, and Cammy makes a point there. Any sort of major changes probably should be made after the game's won. I would just be just be concerned by you know conditions, etc. Um, and players who you know are still finding their match fitness having to play on a heavy pitch and looking at the game against Hibs on Saturday being, you know, the most important game of the two anyway, um, you know, for me. Uh, so, yeah, we, we, can't, we can't go there. Nobody can go there thinking this is won before we even start the game. Uh, but if they show up with the right attitude, they could win it inside 20 minutes, mm. uh, you know, and start to relax after that. That That is possible in a game like this. Um, and I say that with a great to respect to Fraser but you know if Rangers come out flying out the traps those boys won't be able to handle that and they'll know, they'll know that themselves you know they'll be looking to us to make a slow start and, and they can get in our faces and, and hope to drag the game out for as long as possible uh, so, so yeah Jeremy makes a fair point maybe I don't know how Murty Murty might just go with pretty much his strongest team you know bring a couple bring in Cummings and Doherty for a couple of players um, and obviously Tav suspended so Hodgson will probably start he might just do that and just to keep kind of momentum going and then make changes quite early um, as in when but I think I still think the squad's big enough and there's enough players on the fringes that could come in 
well, we could start, you know, with five or six changes and still be okay. What, what I would, what I would maybe ask the two of you, <clears throat> as we discuss this, and I know obviously when we we get to Wednesday and stuff, would you, if you had the option, would you start Morelos up top on his own in order to try and get a wee goal because that could be good for his confidence, or alternatively, do you start Cummings to try and maintain his goal scoring run? Because my feeling would be if he scores on Wednesday, he will score against Hibs on Saturday if he features. What would you what would you go for? Personally I'd try the two because you won't get an awful lot of opportunities and, and while I sometimes agree with that, sometimes depends the game, I agree with Alex's assertion that you sometimes need the extra man in the middle. I'd be really disappointed if we needed an extra man in the middle against Fraserburgh. With all due respect to them, I really would be if our midfielders couldn't dominate central midfield as part of a two in which case you do have the opportunity to play with the two uh, with the two up front so given the fact that I would be very hopeful we would be making a lot of chances and it wouldn't do either of our strikers any harm to get among the goals then me personally I would be looking at maybe playing the two of them although I also can see the idea of a heavy pitch Morelos, uh, you know, you might want to say you you just have the night off, son. In which case, you you stick to what you know. You just put Cummins, same formation, Cummins straight swap. But certainly, if you wanted to see how the two of them dovetailed, tomorrow looks a good a, a good opportunity. Wednesday looks a good opportunity to me, Alex. I'd probably just go with Cummings and give Morelos the rest if it was up to me personally. But that's not to say that I don't see the merit in in both arguments that you've made. You guys have made there. You know, do you keep just stick with Morelos? He's more than likely scoring a game like that, and that might help his confidence definitely. Do we try the two of them? It's definitely worth a show as well. Just my personal preference would be give Morelos the rest for the week, as such, and uh, bring in Cummings to start that game. Uh, but uh, there's no, I don't. In many ways, I'm being, I'm possibly being too risk averse. You know. Um, when I'm saying, you know, worried about the heavy pitch and things like that, that is a kind of worst case scenario in many respects. Um, and maybe, you know, in that respect, you know, that's not that's not the best way of thinking about how to pick your team and how to approach a game. So, so yeah, there's a, there's a good chance, um, you know, Marty won't see it that way and, and he might just go with the two of them uh, just to see how that works, just to see if, if there's any... So you won't get a great impression because the level of opposition isn't that high, but you'll still be able to tell... You know, are they making the same sort of runs? Are they, you know, is is who's the better one dropping off and picking up the ball? And you'd still be able to get some sort of impression out of it. So, um, yeah, it might be worth giving that a bash because he does. He did sound as though in his last county interview he would like to try it at some point. Yeah, definitely. I think I, I think the thing that's interesting to that, and so the reason I'm sorry, David, just to cut across you there, but the reason why I'm asking is because thinking forward to the Hibs game. I would anticipate, and I know we'll obviously do the, the, the pod in between the Fraser Brothers game anyway, what would be interesting to me, because I think a lot of Rangers fans would start to see games where, at Ibrox where we've seen teams sitting against us. We've tried chance after chance, but usually it's because there's one up top, although they're at that stage supported because most of the action's taking place in the opposition's, uh, opposition's uh, final third. What then happens is playing two up top, continues that opportunity which would be interesting because I think a lot of Rangers fans would want to get down that route if we are looking to get a result especially at home and actually playing the two of them so it's a good opportunity for Murray I think to probably do a bit of mix and matching but I think my preference I, think, I agree with Alex I would like to give Murray a loss a bit of a rest give him a bit of a breather um, I believe it's better that he's fresh for Hibs on Saturday 
and Cummings can come on to support them if he goes back to the regular formation. Yeah, um, like as, as Alex said, you can see merits in, in all the arguments. Now, one of the concerns and uh, the, the reason I waited, although this is referring back to the to the match on Saturday on Sunday rather, um, is that you can face heavy tackles in a match like this not through malice in case any Fraserburgh fans are thinking I'm accusing them of being kickers I'm not it's just that you know when you're playing speedier opposition sometimes a tackle you make at your level which is a perfectly valid and well-timed tackle suddenly looks miles late and, and can connect and hurt the player so there is the thing of you need a referee who yes shows common sense and doesn't just order off loads of loads of their players but, but also sends a message to them look don't risk those tackles Cammy, you're our qualified ref, so we always put you in the spot. But to me on Sunday, and I'll accept the argument from people who didn't feel that the, the first incident with David Bates was a penalty. I personally thought it was a penalty. I always do the, would I want that? And yes, I would have wanted that. I think that Bates can get his hands out the way and either chooses not to or is too slow to react in doing so and has brought his hands into play. So I, for me, I thought it was a penalty. The referee didn't, and other people haven't, which is fair enough. But the referee clearly gives the second penalty because he hasn't given the first. It's far less of a shout. It's not a penalty. I was always under the impression, Cameron, that referees are told make each individual decision based on the merits of it. Even if you think you have made a right cock up earlier, do not try and cancel it out because you're not actually doing so. All you're doing is making two mistakes rather than just one. What are they instructed? What are you told? Exactly that, pretty much. it's You just hit the reset button as soon as that incident's been and gone. And you do have to treat each one in its own merit. I think there's actually something on the periphery of that decision-making process as well, David, where I think for me on Sunday, the referee was far too lax uh, with failing to come back to caution players after fouls, but allowing advantage to play on. And I, I think watching that game again from start to finish, what you're starting to see as that kind of goes through is... Um, he's realised that he should have been managing that game far better than he was. Um, I Theoretically, I could see both handballs being given. Um, the Doherty one, uh, the Martin one, sorry, big pardon, looks worse because of his hand movement and it looks like what he's doing is he's protecting his face. Unfortunately, you can't do that because, again, like you say, it's it's the block and hits off. And Bates' one, again, uh, there is no such you know ball to hand, etc. So that's a bit of a misnomer. However, if he impedes the, the the direction of the ball and it's and again, like you say, you, you still believe that there was a degree of intent there. That's what you have to give. What I do think has happened to the referee is I think he's hit damage limitation time because we're two 0 up at that point. He realises that he's he's not managed the game well. Potentially, he is thinking about the Bates handball and should I, shouldn't I, etc., etc. Um, you'll notice again if you if you watch those those handballs, the Ross County players just descend on him. Yeah. I mean, absolutely descend on him, on mass. So straight away, he's he's in that situation, and with two 0 up, with a couple of minutes left to play, what's the damage? And I think that's why he 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 gives it because he knows that. You know, it's not really going to make a major bearing in, in, in the in the process of the game. Um, 
So I don't, I don't, I think you have to look at the entire game. I don't think you just have to look at those two penalty incidents alone, because I think the referees made a cock up of the entire game. If I'm being perfectly honest with you, Alex, what was your take on both penalty shouts? Um, I would have said the first one was a bigger shout than the second. Um, however, I don't think either of them were penalties. The issue the refs have got is how do you? It's an interpretation of the rules, you know. The very fact that, that football is so different in so many different parts of the world in terms of what's a foul tells you that. You know, there's no universality. The, the rules are the same, but it's a referee's interpretation of them and it's almost cultural in some respects. Yeah. The issue for this rule is intent. How the hell do you do you prove or disprove that? It's, you know, R- Russell Martin has intended to bring his hand up to protect his face. Now... Take that from best analogy I can think of. You intend to go in and slide tackle to win a ball, and you slightly miss time it, and you foul somebody. Foul. Your intention wasn't to foul them, but it's a foul. Mm. His intention wasn't to handle the ball, but he did. What does the hell does a referee think there? What I mean the rules so vague with the intention part that that it becomes an issue. I thought with David Bates one, yeah, it was about his body movement, and it was it didn't look good. I think the ball was just hitting him anyway. You know, yeah, I think, I think his, his hand chest, was yeah. pretty much in front of him rather than at his side at that point, and the ball was going to hit him anyway. So it wasn't like you know, it was kind of pointed out earlier. It wasn't really like he impeded it. It was more like the ball was going to hit his hip or something like that. Now then, then again, do you say would it have went for a corner then, or would that drop back to the striker? Who knows? But I just think the referees aren't helped by the fact that you know the rules kind of vague and the game would be ruined. I do appreciate the game would be ruined if he just said any time it hits a player's hand in the box, it's a penalty. You know. Well, I they had they, they, that, they tried to clear that rule up, Alex, in Spain a few seasons ago, where they they said to referees, look, basically, if it hits a hand in in the box, just give a penalty. And of course, players, especially at that level, were getting into the box and then just chipping it onto guys' arms yeah. or smashing it at their arm from a yard. Um, yeah, you just smash your ball towards a defender. You, you know, you're either going to win a corner or. There's no way. There's just there's no player out there. As Chris Commons was talking about after the game, if somebody smashed a ball like that and it's hitting you in the face, you are bringing your hand up. You don't even think about it, you know. But then there's a whole philosophical debate as to what intent is in the first place, you know. I just don't think referees are helped by the rule. Um, and Cammy's right. He's right. If he, you know, a small example would be if a referee's gave something, gave a corner, and it's been a bit of a disputed decision. You can be damn sure he's going to give a free kick when the corner gets whipped out yes, against yes. the attack team. Yes. Like they do that all the time. That's a pretty common, you know, little technique to use. Ah, fuck, I'm not sure about that one. Sorry, right, somebody will be grappling somewhere. I'll just give a free kick. It was kind of like that. Cammy's right. He got to the end of the game. He'd, you know, that one decision that he's made an instant call on and then he's maybe thought to himself... I don't know actually by the way the players have reacted I think that's um, exactly what it was Alex I think the fact that the players were so convinced it was a penalty that I think that he's went fuck you know because it is the old cliche but it's kind of true you can tell by a player's reaction and I think the the genuine if you like anger of the Ross County players has told him oh I've got this one wrong and I think that then he's had that in the back of his mind for later on that he's thought no I have, I've, I've made a balls of this and he's seen an opportunity to if you like and in, in inverted commas make it right and I think that that's what he's decided to do but of course it's not that that's you can't a football ref on on that way it's, it's end of day stuff the, the problem you've got with that as well David outside of our game on Sunday 
was uh, Colum in the Hearts game uh, failed to give what was a very clear penalty for Hearts. Um, afterwards, I think speaking to Craig Levine, saying that the player managed to get a touch in the ball. So for anyone who's seen it or watched the highlights, whatever, if you if you know the challenge that I'm talking about, he doesn't eclipse the player from behind, stumbles on because it doesn't touch the ball. And the reason how you can see that is if you watch the ball, the ball doesn't move one iota, it doesn't change direction, doesn't go anywhere. And yet again, and I'm really glad that we're talking about this because of a penalty incident. But yet again, we're back now in a scenario where we're talking about referees. And what I'm pleased about, because I'm sure we we discussed this last time I was in the pod, was even though we're getting the three points out the back of it, and Alex, and feel free to disagree with this, like, as much as you're watching that thinking, I don't think either one of my penalties, do you reverse that scenario, and we're maybe sitting a goal down, or we're sitting at nil-nil or whatever, and that happens, or those those shouts get uh, given, against, uh, given for us, I think you're claiming either one of them is a penalty at that stage, which is a bipolar effect of football. The issue is still back to referees being in capable of controlling the decisions that they're making, giving incorrect decisions at times and they're dictating outcomes. Theoretically Ross County could get relegated for what happened on Sunday. It could literally come down to that. Well yes and uh, no, I'm not sure I buy that argument Cammy, because it's 38 games and the fact you can, of course you can point to one game where something went against you and say oh if that hadn't happened we'd have, we'd have stayed up but equally there'll be a game where something fell for you or a chance that you could have buried and should have so I, I don't know if I buy that argument Yeah but you're, you're then saying that okay that's, that's one game but yeah if you actually look at the referees that we've spoken about on this podcast we're not talking about one referee making one mistake true, true. we're talking about a number of referees making a number of mistakes and you know, you spread those odds out far enough, you as a club will be impacted by that. So we're not talking about one point, two point, three points. We could be talking about ten points or twelve points, and that could be the difference at the end of the season. It's just it theoretically could work out that way. I don't blame the Ross County players for descending on the referee on mass because when you're down at that and it's a dog fight at that end of the league, you're fighting for everything that you can possibly get. So I think it was just the case of the referee probably realised that you know, he, he could have had another decision in the Bates handball uh, and he had nothing to lose with uh, giving the Martin one. Yeah, um, I think that's a fair point. Now, just before we wrap up for uh, for the night, there was uh, a story in one of the papers today that Dave King, who was seen yesterday, he's in Scotland, he was up at the Ross County game, we'll have a chat with Graham Murty tonight about his vision for the club and about where Dave King sees the club going over the next few seasons etc and Graham Murty uh, will chat about his role in it Alex Graham Murty is in I spoke about this on our daily update today Graham Murty is in pole position and I think in it almost a uniquely favourable position for an interim manager and in that most interim managers come in and as I say they have to deal with a group of players who uh, haven't done so well hence why there's been a change of manager and they don't get given time, even when they get the, the, the infamous till the end of the season. Graham Murray's not only got till the end of the season, he's been given a transfer window where he's been able to sign his type of players. In terms of an addition for a job of that size, which I'm not saying Graham Murray's not capable of and, and may go on to prove to be a great manager, what I'm saying is, is that at this stage of his career with his CV, he wouldn't be near under normal circumstances. This is one hell of an opportunity for this guy. 
it doesn't get any better really does it no um, it must be the least pressurised Rangers manager ever in many respects because the expectation levels are pretty low still um, on him personally on the team they're a bit higher because you know we've made signings we're looking a bit better in the last couple of games but on him personally if things don't go well ultimately it won't be him that will be blamed you know mm. people will just turn and go the board made a mess of this manager search you should never have been put in place anyway blah 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 which you know should be the argument to any manager that comes in but it's obviously not um, he's a, he's in a, you're right he's in a, a unique position one that no Rangers manager before him has ever been afforded um, and that he's actually got some time um, and some leeway to, to make mistakes because you know it won't be him that gets ultimately too much of the blame for it um, it, it must be I think I don't know if you guys agree I would be interested to know if you agree but I think in the past post Christmas is actually a really good time frame for it something seems to have clicked and he's just a little bit more assured as if, as if he feels as though he's he's grown into it himself I was kind of rather scathing of him before um, and saying look you know essentially we've hired someone who isn't as good a manager as Pedro Cachina is you know you let go of a manager you normally bring somebody better in and we hadn't done that was my opinion um, but maybe I was just being unfair and not giving him the sort of time I'd give a player who's come in you know yeah, maybe in player terms he's like a youngster you know what I mean yeah but we don't exactly like, but we don't expect Alex rightly that people do their apprenticeship with us Oh, as a manager, and you're right because you know this is a guy who's who's coached, but you know never never coached our first team at, at any level. You know he's he's always been a a, a youth coach, and uh, yeah, I mean maybe it is, but I know that his relationship with Mark Allen is is good, and I know that um, he works in tandem with the director of football, which was not something that happened under Kishinia, and. Maybe he he just his role is is more clearly defined now, and he feels confident enough. And I think also I keep coming back to this, but it's true. He kind of maybe feels now nah, this is my squad now. I'm not just babysitting Pedro Cachinha's squad because we've talked about it on here tonight. This squad looks different. It just it feels different. Everything about it. Yes, a lot of the same names, but they're not the same player they were six weeks ago. It doesn't feel that way. Sorry, Cam, I think probably yourself to take on from here. Uh, so for me, this is going to sound really wanky. I feel Marty has actually really matured as a manager in the way he carries himself now. Uh, I think back to, to last year, uh, press interviews, post-losses to Dundee and all that kind of stuff. The guy... You know, really, really struggled. I think at times, and I think we saw that. And you know, it doesn't instill confidence in us. Wouldn't instill confidence with the squad. Let's let's never forget what Graham Marty's done for us, and more importantly, the board should never forget what Graham Marty's done for them. Yeah, because he has deflected so much shit off of them it is unbelievable. That being said, the board have probably by a little bit of a mix of of methodology and fortune uh, put a good support network in there for him with Mark Allen and Jimmy Nichol and, and, and Jimmy Nichol absolutely I think the retention of Johansson seems to be working very well as well um, however the most important thing I think we can now say about Graham Murphy is he should never ever go back to development football after this 
So whether it's Rangers or someone else, this has given him the springboard now to look at his career from an entirely different perspective. Um, I feel David has a good point that he has now moved from a caretaker mentality to this is my squad, this is my team. I don't really get an impression of arrogance from him that he is using this to either put himself in the short window for the Rangers job or any other job. Um, What he needs to be able to do is adapt very quickly if some miracles occur and if the scums start dropping points and all of a sudden people start getting a bit carried away with themselves and talk about, you know, potential, um, you know, league run-ins and all of that kind of stuff. What it's about now is maintaining the consistency that he's been able to build up uh, across the uh, the last few weeks. Build that momentum, build that momentum, because his job must be easier now than it was a couple of months ago, thanks yeah. to the 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 support, firstly, that he's obviously getting from that momentum uh, post-Dundee, but also the players that he's been able to bring in. So he, he, he's getting into he's getting into much better space, Marty. Uh, I I have a concern that if we were to say to him at the end of the season, listen, you've steadied the ship, you've made some great improvements, you know, we've managed to maintain if Celtic win the league, a gap of X amount of points. Therefore, we're going to give it to you full full time. If we then go into next season and it's all you know blank canvas time, can he? can he start that serious title challenge because we need to seriously start looking at that um, if you know we, we maintain the same distance between ourselves and Celtic come the end of the season go into the next season with a real attitude of no actually you know we're in this to win it now no, can I, sorry, well, can I just jump in just, sorry, just a second because Cammy made a great point there about Murty and saying that he's not coming across as arrogant or in any way he comes across as a humble man who works hard and knows that he's got things he needs to improve on. That's this entire squad's identity at the moment. Um, and I think that that's maybe helping as well. When you talk about the players that he's able to bring in, he's bringing in guys who have got a point to prove or bringing in people who are working towards building a reputation and things like that. He's not, you know, there's no... You know that way like Mourinho sort of identifies, you know, there's a Mourinho team. You know what I mean? Even even though he's at Man United now and they're supposed to have a particular style, they play like a Jose Mourinho team or they play like a Pep Guardiola team or whatever it is. Murphy would talk about how he, he wanted his team to play in the way that he saw the game. And in the past, he'd criticise him by saying, well, we don't know what that is. You know, you're just sort of playing exactly the same way that Pedro Cuxinha played. Now, there seems to be a feeling of, this is, you know, as you pointed out, David, this is his team and it's also his identity there. You know, mm. a bunch of guys who are willing to work hard and actually go and improve constantly. Um, I think a daft little example of that against Aberdeen when we made it 2-0, the players were celebrating um, and I sat right down, you know, near there so I could see that quite closely. And Russell Martin was over there straight away. He's in everybody's face telling them with hands, you know, let's calm this down, let's keep this right. And as the players are going back towards their own half, there's Graham Murray doing the exact same thing. You know, he's got that player on the park in Russell Martin that he trusts has already given his instructions before he's even had a chance to give them. Um, and that sort of thing makes such a big difference to a manager to have guys that he trusts like that. So, so yeah, I think it's, you're starting to see his identity, you know, his team coming through and the way that you guys spoke about. And a big part of that is just, you know, he is a hardworking guy himself. He doesn't 
take this for granted at all. There's a good, there's a good call out actually. I would say and this, this was potentially something we touched on right at the beginning of this, where you're seeing more uh, requirement of youth coming into the first team now, where probably players like Tavernier and maybe to a certain extent Windass, players who were probably considered the slightly younger part of that when you when you consider guys like Cranchard and Alves and Miller, etc. These guys have now almost had to step that up a notch in order to be the leaders for those youth players coming in. That, to me, I feel Murty has contributed towards because he has challenged those players to to think uh, about those those new lads coming in, uh, the youth players coming in, and actually saying, well, now you're the example setter. You're now the role model. And to a certain extent, you kind of abdicated some of the responsibility for this. Now you can't do that. And I think Murty's done very well in terms of bringing that forward. Alex makes a great point about there's no um, uh, there's no preface of people coming in with a legacy, which we've been guilty of in the past with some of the signings that we've made that Murty's also had to deal with. You've got players who are coming in now and they, they, they appear far more uh, far more together as a unit, even though some of the new signings are fitting in really well with that. Uh, that's a culture he's creating with that team. So you absolutely can't take that away from him. Don't get wrong, obviously, Nickel and Johansson will be contributing towards that as well, but Murray has to take a lot of credit for that. I think we're all agreed, but obviously if we lose to Fraser, Brow will be uh, getting the pitches and uh, pitchforks and torches out and heading into his house, am I right? Well, obviously, yeah. I mean, that'll be, let's say, uh, as Alex would do, freeze dogs in the river. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> yeah, uh, so that was a shocker, I tell you. I think, I think a lot less of you... No, Alex, no, I don't know where I go. Listen, hey, you know, we, we all have our preferences. I just hate all animals, man. That's all it is. And, you know, uh, but, uh, particularly Alex. dogs. And it's probably just because one attacked me when I was in my pram when I was younger, and it's a, a legacy of that. But We're, only, know, we're uh, only hearing... I, no, 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 no. We're only hearing one side of the story here. We don't know what you did. You probably deserved it. I probably did deserve it. I probably, you know, told it that it was, you know... The type of food that it liked was wrong and gave it good reasons why. But yeah. um, no, 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 I think that ultimately, like as I say, I hate all animals. I don't discriminate. So you know, how much better can I be, really? That's that weird, though. Absolute fucking weird. <laughs> telling you. Okay, though, folks. Listen, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Now um, we're doing a live show at the Loudon Tavern. It's completely sold out. But Cammy wanted me to mention it for some reason. Um, but it's this Friday night, just to remind everyone who's coming along to that. Uh, there will be more tickets still going on sale for our live show with Kevin Thompson and Dunfermline because I had made the mistake of putting up the same amount of tickets that we normally would for the Loudon, but the place we're holding it is a bit bigger. So <laughs> it only came to light afterwards when Cammy went, why didn't you sell X amount? I was like, well... Because and he went no, that's a loud good point. So we will be. Fucking moron. I know I can't argue. We will be releasing those extra tickets later in the week. So keep an eye on the Heartman social media feed for that. Um, that's pretty much everything. Then, if you like the show, please come and support us on Patreon. Lovely community building up over there. Over two thousand one hundred people have signed up. Loads of content. I mean, there's generally three shows a day going on in there, and there is so much for you to choose from. All that it means for me to do then is to thank our executive producers in London, Mr Mike Lee and Mr Paul Miles, to thank my guests tonight, Mr Cameron and James Bell. A pleasure as always, boys. Mr Alex Staff. Thanks again, all. And oh, I'll, let, I'll let you do your plugs, lads. So, Alex, where can they where can they read your views and the views of like-minded uh, staffy and weirdos? <laughs> Um, on Twitter, I'm at Strider80. Um, uh, there's rangersnews.uk for, for one blog. 
and fourladshadthedream.wordpress.com for the other. What a love for Four Lads Had the Dream this week after a controversial article appeared on the Rangers Observer. Uh, I saw a lot of people <laughs> saying that you guys had taken over as the uh, number one Rangers blog. I know, I know. It's, uh, it's 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 really flying to be honest, but it kind of does. It also shows what people are after in terms of you know um, Stevie being able to break some transfer news and things like that. That's what that's what the people seem to want. So so yeah, um, it's been been good I've been enjoying that yeah there's also a five part interview with me and I don't want to take all the credit for your for your growth Alex but let's face it that's pretty much it pretty much it (laughs) and Cammy, if they want to talk to you on the Twitter machine where would they go yeah, I am at Beat That Beat. I don't have a blog, I'm not that clever. I'm at Rocks, and I will talk to you again on Thursday. Thank you very much for joining us, and we'll speak to you then. Bye! Podcast Network.